seated. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Man, it's been so great to be together in the Fellowship Hall and to be close and intimate in our time of sharing together. And as we make that journey into the sanctuary, which we are thrilled and excited, uh, let's stay close together. And so we decided we're going to close off the back 20 pews. <laughs> and so uh, we're not going to sell them. But, uh, but no, seriously, sit up close. Come sit together. Sit with people. This has been awesome. And, uh, and I hope we can continue this close-knitness uh, that we have had together. Let us pray. Gracious, holy, awesome, amazing, uh, intimate God, thank you for moments in our life that we can come and feel your presence and see your presence and experience your presence. And thank you for the manual church and community and for the people, Lord, that make the church. Uh, thank you for you who makes the church possible. Uh, Lord, and for your presence that has journeyed with us through uh, many things that we have been through this year. Uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for your word most of all, uh, for its truth, for its message, uh, for its conviction. Uh, Lord, for these words that James has written to encourage our journey, that Lord, in so being encouraged, we will take it to heart and uh, move it to action. So Lord, speak through me now uh, and set to me aside that it's your voice that's heard clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <coughs> a newly promoted colonel was moving into a makeshift office during the Gulf War. As he was unpacking a box, he noticed out of the corner of his eye um, a private who was walking down the aisle with a toolbox in hand. So he grabbed the phone. Yes, General Schwarkoff, he said. I think that's an excellent plan, he continued. You've got my support on it. Thanks for checking with me. Let's touch base again soon, Norm. Goodbye. And then he turned to that private that was holding the toolbox and said, What can I do for you, private? And he said, Well, I came here to hook up your phone. <laughs> A preacher was standing at the back of the sanctuary greeting the parishioners who were leaving. One man came by that he recognized, but he hadn't seen in a long time. So he pulled the man aside and said, Brother, you need to join the army of the Lord. And the man looked at the preacher and said, Well, I'm already part of the army of the Lord. And he said, Well, why do I only see you then around Christmas and Easter? And he said, Because I'm in the secret service. <laughs> Whether at church or at work. Even at our schools, maybe even our homes. When we pretend to be somebody we are not, we're faking it. Faking our faith fails foolishly. Faking our faith fails foolishly. It's through our deeds that our faith demonstrates itself. And our faith is not genuine unless it moves us to action. And the primary place that this takes place is often in community. James puts it this way. Faith without works is dead. Join me in our scripture today as we continue our journey through the book of James. 
beginning in chapter 2. The focus verses today are verses 14 through 26. I hope you'll join me in your Bibles or devices that you brought online. Hope you'll get your Bibles and join us this morning too. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that the faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by his works? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. James. James was a leader in the church of Jerusalem and he was trying to encourage those in the faith understanding what's their attitude and what their actions and the difference they made he was really speaking to Jewish Christians that were scattered throughout the region a letter to them that I really believe is also a letter to us today for something deep inside of us believes that just by knowing the truth and just being a good person is enough, right? Is it? Let me remind you of the theme that we talked about last week as we began this journey in James chapter 1. For our faith to be real, it has to be translated into deeds. For our faith to be real, it has to be translated into deeds. And let us not deceive ourselves. As we try to figure out this journey, as we try to navigate this journey through the waves of life, and the wind begins to catch the sails that we have raised, it's then that we find meaning. It's then we find significance. It's then that we find purpose. Isn't that what sailing's all about? All the work. All the preparation to get to the point that the wind catches the sail and off we go and the joy arrives. Our faith follows the same course. Sometimes we just go through the motions. Sometimes we're in survival mode. 
Sometimes all that celebration, all that discipline, all that preparation just doesn't seem worth it until we're sailing with the wind and we can feel the Spirit of God leading us. James in today's scripture divides faith, I think, into three different areas. Dead faith, divided faith, and demonstrative faith. Repeat after me. Dead faith, Dead faith. divided faith, divided faith. Demonstrative, faith. demonstrative faith. Let's look at the first, dead faith. The first verses, 14 through 17. Keep your Bibles open or turn back to them or your devices this morning. This is faith that has no influence upon our life. We feel an impulse. We feel a nudging. We, we feel this urging, this prodding, but we do nothing to respond to it. And what happens the next time? That same urge, that same prodding, but it gets a little easier, right? We don't respond that time, and then we just don't even feel the, per, the prodding taking place. Have you ever asked anybody to pray with you? Ever asked anybody to pray with you? Have they prayed for you? How, how do you know it? I have a habit, and I try, and I know I don't fulfill it several times, but I try hard. If I'm having a conversation on the phone or in person with somebody, and they say, would you pray for me, preacher? And we sometime during that conversation, I try to stop and pray for them. And then if you can follow up and remember to follow up in some capacity, then it really begins to honor that person that you heard them and you're sincere in what you're trying to do. When we take that action, the person really knows we care. When we take that action, we're honoring the person. We're showing that in which we believe, and we're valuing that person's place in the community. Our faith is only as real as that which we place our faith in. Our faith is only as real as the entity in which we place our faith. People with dead faith substitute words for deeds. This is what James is referring to. They know what to say, even what to do, but they never do it. It is faith driven by the mind and not the heart. One knows salvation. One knows who Jesus is, but their faith does not result in changed lives. Their life and even lives around them. Faith professed but not expressed, is empty. There's a real danger here. There's a danger here for this type of faith gives a false confidence of what it means to live out our salvation. James talks about dead faith, but he also talks about divided faith. Let's look a few verses further, verses 18 and 19 in our scripture this morning. The focus is not for having some or for someone not having faith or works. It's having faith and works. It's not either or, it's both and. I mentioned last week of how sad it is that people go to school with others, you work with others, but you're just not sure if those near you or around you that you work with or go to school with or hang out with are Christians or not. I also find it sad when somebody says they don't have to go to church to be a Christian. They're right. 
faith in Christ is sufficient for our salvation. But oh my goodness, what they're missing out on. Oh my goodness, what we are missing out on. Such a statement is selfish. Because salvation is not all about what it does for me. But as a result of what God has done in me, that I offer that experience to others through me. When our faith never gets off the ground, the only beneficiary is ourselves. That's not the intent of our salvation. So let me just get a little more personal. Watch your toes. Sometimes we use religion as an escape. Have you ever used scripture? Have you ever used prayer as an avoidance to have to act on something that we know we should do or be doing? It's a good step, but it's divided faith. You know the truth, but nothing happens as a result. It is through our deeds that faith demonstrates itself. It's through our faith that our deeds are carried out. Faith and deeds are not opposites. They cannot be separated either. It's hard to be moved into action without faith. Faith shows itself when it moves us into action. Where is God moving you? community many years ago learned this the hard way. It was a small town where everybody seemed to know everybody, and in that town, a man uh, who lived there didn't go to church. Everybody knew him. He wasn't a bad man. He just made a decision not to go to church. There's only one church in town, and it was cold and dead. Nothing happening in it, really nothing happening out of it. But one day, the church caught on fire, and the whole town came out to watch. Even this man and a person saw him and said, I've never seen you come to church before. And the man said, I've never seen the church on fire before. Where is Emmanuel on fire? Where are you on fire? What embers need to catch the wind? Even demons believe in God and shudder, verse 19 reminds us. In other words, these demons know God and they know his effects. But it's not enough to believe the right things and feel the presence of God unless we are willing to act upon it. Verse 20. Faith apart from works is barren. Dead faith, James talks about. Divided faith, James talks about. And then he talks about demonstrative faith. Demonstrative faith. Deeds do not replace faith. They complete it. Demonstrative faith involves the, involves the whole person. Mind, heart, and will. Mark Copeland calls this dynamic faith, where the mind understands the truth. The heart desires and rejoices in the truth. And the will acts upon the truth. James gives two Old Testament examples. Do you remember who the examples that he gave in the latter part of today's scripture? Abraham, 
and Rahab. Who was Abraham? The father of the Jewish nation. A faithful follower of God. What is James calling? A friend of God. His story is one of the greatest examples of faith we know. His willingness to take his son Isaac, to place him on an altar and be willing to sacrifice him. And who was the other person James referred to? Rahab. Who was Rahab? A prostitute. What was her nationality? She was a Gentile. A woman, a prostitute, a Gentile, and an enemy. Pretty much the opposite of Abraham. Joshua sent two spies to Jericho to examine the city before they were overtaking it. Some people found out about these spies and were seeking them. And Rahab hid the two spies on her roof so that they wouldn't be killed by those who were looking forward, looking, to, looking for them. And she put a rope outside her window and they escaped. Abraham and Rahab both exercised their faith. It was their faith that allowed them to risk. Abraham had much to act on. Rahab was acting on the little that she had. They were not double-minded or doubters. They were not tied to the world, or Abraham would not have been willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, or Rahab would not have been willing to hide these spies and risk her life. Verse 26. A body without the Holy Spirit is dead. Faith without works is dead. A sailboat without wind goes nowhere. Where is your sailboat headed? Or is it even going anywhere at all? Maybe you're still stuck in the mud. Or maybe the rain last night finally washed all the mud off. It freed you from being stuck in the mud. Where does that leave you now? Let me be clear about something. We tend to find rest and refuge in religion. And it's time for us to set the sail and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. But let me be clear about this, that I want to be sure you're hearing what I'm saying and you're not hearing what I'm not saying. We're not saved by deeds, but we're saved for deeds, Barclay says. Nothing I said today implies that our salvation is a result of our works. The blood of Jesus Christ on the cross is sufficient to wipe away our sin and bring us into a saving relationship with God. But unless we act upon it, no one will know it. For our faith to be real, it has to be translated into deeds. Let us not deceive ourselves. Faith without works is dead. And our faith is only as good as that in which we place our faith in. You ever heard of Charles Blondin? That name ring a bell? He's one of the greatest tightrope walkers of all times. You remember the Walendas, right? Nick Walenda and 
he was kind of a, a precursor to the Walendas. It was in 1859. He became the first man in history to walk across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, 160 feet in the air, 1,100 feet as he walked across that tightrope to the other side. And when he got to the other side, you know what the crowd that was watching him did? They roared. They were excited. So he decided to cross it again, and he began to carry things and, and do interesting things as he walked across the wire. One time, he got a wheelbarrow, and he pushed the wheelbarrow across, and he asked the people, you know, do you think I can do it? And they said, yes, of course, and they roared. And then he says, do you think I can carry somebody in the wheelbarrow? And what did they do? They roared. And then he said, who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? And guess how many people volunteered? Nobody. There's a great difference in believing in something and taking action upon that faith that we say we believe in. The good news for us is Jesus Christ has carried many people across that great divide. And for all those who've chosen to get in, he's not lost a one. It's time to get off the security of the ground in which we know and demonstrate our faith by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and following his example. So that not only may we experience the joy of faith, but others may experience it too. Faith without works is dead. How is your faith? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Help our faith, Lord. Help our faith. We know it, we hear it, we read it, we believe it. Help us, Lord, to act upon it. In your name we pray. Amen.